Chapter Twenty Seven of Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter Twenty Seven the humiliation of linda early in the morning after the grand guard ball in freeling nan sherwood had an adventure she had spent part of the previous day writing another letter to her mother and that she finished sealed stamped and mailed in the school letter bag this time she knew that no ill-natured girl would get hold of it but of course the whole school knew by this time that she was going to leave at the end of the term and that her folks weren't rich at all so there not that nan had ever talked about the scotch legacy more than she could help and certainly she had not boasted to the girls of her wealth there are certain natures however who envy the successful and nan had been very successful in making friends in finding favor with the teachers and in standing well in her classes so even some girls whom she had been kind to were glad to repeat now the story of nan sherwood's coming poverty as first circulated by linda riggs and her satellites nan had heard many unkind whispers and when alone she grieved over this by reason of her fretting she did not sleep well after the ball and she arose long before the gong sounded and when it was still quite dark there was a pairing of the silver moon low on the horizon which looked as though it had been sewed into the black velvet robe of night and the robe was trimmed with sparkling silver and red stars as well the air was keen although there was no wind and the hoar-frost hung from the bushes and dried green blades while there was a rim of it the length of the balustrade to the beach nan ran down this flight to see if the ice would bear yet skating was in the offing and she and bess loved to skate professor krenner had reported the day before that the street between the lake shore where his cabin stood and the isle of hope half a mile out in the lake was skimmed over with ice here at the foot of the flight of stairs and along by the haunted boathouse the edge of the water was fringed with a crust of thin ice not much more fun for me at dear old lakeview hall nan was thinking as she skipped lightly along the edge of the uncertain ice but I'll get my skates sharpened as Bess begged me. That will not be a great extravagance. We'll have some good fun before the term closes and we go home for the holidays. Oh, dear! The sigh was not because of the home going. It was for the reason that Nan felt very sure that she would never see the hall again. Just as she was thinking this, and watching idly the broken water far out in the strait toward the isle of hope 
she put her foot upon a strip of ice and to her amazement it broke through and she plunged knee-deep in the icy water oh 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 she gasped in a graduated surprise for as she strove to pull out the first foot her other one went slump right through the ice too and it was cold nan was not frightened at first she was an athletic girl and very strong and agile but she was amazed to find that both feet were fast in the half-frozen slime at the bottom of this hole in which she had stepped she strove to pull her feet free and actually could not do it then as she lifted her head to look about for help she saw a figure in black running hard toward her it came from the rear of the big boathouse it was a slight figure and nan immediately thought of the black dog that had chased mrs cupp the night of the boathouse party i'll get you i'll get you exclaimed the boy for such in reality he was and he threw forward a tough branch for nan to cling on she accepted this aid gladly at first she almost drew him into the water then he braced his heels in the bank and flung himself back to balance her weight first one foot and then the other nan pulled out of the icy mire and in half a minute she was ashore oh how can i thank you she cried if you hadn't been here it's all right it's all right miss the boy stammered and immediately began to back away you needn't thank me i'd done it for anybody nan was eyeing the lad curiously many thoughts besides those of gratitude for his timely help were passing through her mind who are you she asked abruptly do you live around here the boy was a pale youth but he flushed deeply now and edged farther away as though he really feared her oh yes i lived near here i i'm glad i could help you good-bye before nan could stop him by word or act he turned around and ran up the shore of the lake until he was hidden from the girl's surprised view well isn't that the strangest thing demanded nan of nobody at all then she realized that she was getting very cold indeed standing there with wet feet and ankles and she herself started on a run for the steps to the top of the bluff and had just time enough to get to the hall and change her shoes and stockings before breakfast at the table she was giving to bess an eager account of her adventure when laura polk said to the chums from tilbury heard the latest girls don't know what is the latest asked bess nan's got a yarn to tell that almost passes human belief she seems to have interviewed a ghost and got her feet wet at the same time that's nothing declared laura linda's lost that beautiful necklace goodness you don't mean it gasped bess the poor girl exclaimed nan with sympathy how did it happen the dependent knoweth not 
said Laura tightly. It's a big loss, bigger than that awful maxim Miss Craven used to teach all us girls. Lost, somewhere between sunrise and sunset, two golden hours, each set with sixty diamond minutes. No reward is offered, for they are gone forever. How ridiculous, chuckled Bess. It's no laughing matter, girls, said Nan with gravity. What isn't? The maxim, cried Bess. No, Linda's loss. Pooh, what do I care, scoffed Bess. I am wasting no tears over Linda. But that lovely necklace, cried Nan. It was a beauty, admitted Laura. Oh, her father won't mind. He has more money than anybody else in the world. To hear her tell it, laughed the heartless Bess. She can't help being foolish, I suppose, added Laura. She showed how silly she was by wearing the necklace, Bess declared. Maybe a burglar saw it and followed her home and stole it. Mrs. Cupp rang her bell sharply. Young ladies, she exclaimed, when there was comparative silence. Young ladies, attention! Miss Sherwood is wanted in Dr. Prescott's office at once. Many of the girls stared at Nan as she slowly arose, her breakfast partly eaten. More than one whisper went around the tables. One girl asked right out loud, Wonder what Dr. Prescott wants her for? I know, squealed the eager voice of one of the younger pupils. I came right past Linda Riggs' door. And I heard her say to Cora Courtney that she knew Nan stole that necklace. Oh, the exclamation was general, but Amelia Boggs's voice rose above the confusion. You miserable infant, she cried. You ought to be spanked and put to bed for a week. Young ladies, came in Mrs. Cupp's stern voice, less confusion, please. Nan had risen in some trepidation to go to the principal's study, but the suggestion that she was wanted because Linda had lost her necklace almost bound her feet where she stood. It seemed to Nan as though she could not move. Nan, Nan, cried Bess, jumping up, her face ablaze. It's a story, a wicked story. They shan't treat you so. Her arm was over Nan's shoulders, and she was crying, frankly. Mrs. Cupp's voice again was heard above the noise. Elizabeth, sit down. The reckless Bess paid no attention to the command, but went on with Nan to the door. This fragrant disobeying of the matron's order awed the other girls to silence. Bess left her chum in the hall and came back her eyes streaming. I don't care what you do to me, Mrs. Cupp. So there, she sobbed. Nan is shamefully abused. You can punish me all you want to, Mrs. Cupp. Only don't tell me to keep my mouth closed for a week, for I just could not do it. I believe you, Elizabeth, said the matron, dryly preparing to follow Nan Sherwood, I will attend to your case later. 
in the principal's office nan found linda in tears and dr prescott looking very grave indeed do you know anything about the loss of linda's necklace my dear the preceptress said kindly to nan no dr prescott whispered nan her face very white and her lips fairly blue that is sufficient nancy you are mistaken linda and it is a mistake that can hardly be excused you just take her word for it cried linda wildly and my father will about kill me when he knows grandmother's necklace is gone she's a that will do dr prescott sternly warned her i don't care she's a pauper nobody else in the school is poor enough to want to steal she tried to take my bag on the train no more of it commanded dr prescott rising angrily you are incorrigible linda first of all i want to know how you came to have the necklace to wear mrs cupp tells me she strictly forbade you to take it out of your trunk mrs cupp entered at that moment here's henry she said shortly to the doctor he has something to show you the man came in wiping his snowy boots on the mat what is it henry asked the troubled principal this mum said henry holding out something that glittered in his hand i reckon tis some gigaw of the young ladies i found it under a window with some trash from a waste-paper basket and i want you to be tellin em again that i will not have them thrown trash out a window my necklace shrieked linda and leapt to seize it but henry closed his hand and linda might as well have tried to open a bank vault without the combination give it to me said dr prescott soberly when did you empty your basket out of the window linda la last night after we got home from the ball i forgot it yesterday and it was was too full wept linda and your necklace went out of the window with it said dr prescott sternly look at that child suddenly exclaimed mrs cupp the matron crossed the room quickly and caught poor nan before she fell she's just about made sick by this she said tartly why she's fainted and she's feverish here's a pretty to-do the principal hurried to nan's side and looked into her pallid face there is trouble here more trouble than we know about she whispered don't take her to her room in here you may go henry thank you and you return to your room linda we will look further into this affair half an hour later mrs cupp came out of the principal's suite of rooms with a troubled face and telephoned for dr larry the school physician End of chapter 27 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.